Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Season 5 of BoJack Horseman. Damask, congratulations, you've moved into a new place. I have, that's where we are right now folks and it is fabulous. I'll be interested to see how this place sounds. I actually think it's going to sound pretty good. uh, Not very echoey, I don't think. We have carpet, we We have have curtains, and uh, we're sitting on a bed. No outside noise. Well, we're next to a main street, so we'll see how we go. This, I already can tell, compared to like, we've recorded in my roof a bunch of times, <laughs> particularly in the early days of hunting seasons. This is a vast It's like a couple already. of raccoons just <laughs> recording in the roof. Mm. Uh, no, this is this is really nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you're living north of the river now in Melbourne. Which Thank is, God. You were yes. too far away. I was in Whoopwhoop, I know. I'm With sorry. Eagle-eyed listeners, eagle-eyed listeners may have noticed we've been using Skype a lot <laughs> previously. Yeah, we have. Maybe a little bit less of that now, which is handy. No, I don't want you back at my house. Oh, okay. Well, that was, this will be short-lived then. <laughs> Let's move on to Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or by tweeting us at huntingscast. Some Brian Fuller watch. Mm-hmm. Regular listeners would know that we have a segment dedicated to uh, famous showrunner, director, writer, Brian Fuller. Human um, disaster. Hum- yeah. <laughs> human disaster, perpetually cancelled or uh, fired <laughs> Brian Fuller. Um, the first little bit of Brian Fuller watch this week is, is I want to change the name of this segment. Ooh, all right. It will Mix no it longer be Brian Fuller watch. It will be News in Fuller. Which I think is A, just a better title. And B... I got to... Go, go, go. No, go yeah. on. After you've thought of that new name... Yes. Like, how like how long did the, the pride dissipate? Like, how happy were you? I've actually been holding on to that one for ages. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I've... Uh, oh. I, mean, I would have tweeted that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, Want to change the title for a couple of reasons. A, it sounds better. B, I want to sort of open. Uh, there's been a lot of nothing happening with Brian Fuller recently. He hasn't really been participating in the news, but there is Brian Fuller adjacent news that mm. we can talk about. So news in Fuller, I think, um, maybe opens it up a little bit. The Fuller circle. Exactly, mm. exactly. So this adjacent news in uh, News in Fuller. American Gods sidelines new showrunner amid delays and frustrations. So for those who aren't keeping score, 
Brian Fuller uh, has left slash been fired mm-hmm. from many a uh, show in the last 12 to 18 months. One of which <laughs> was American Gods. Between season one and two, uh-huh. he and Michael Green, I think it was, was the other showrunner, uh, left um, amid creative differences and particularly over the budget of what season two should be. Um, and some changes have taken place. I'll read a couple of paragraphs from an article from Leslie Goldberg and Maureen Ryan at The Hollywood Reporter. Jesse Alexander, who took over Stars' American Gods in February after original showrunners Michael Green and Brian Fuller were pushed out, have been sideli- has been sidelined, um, multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Insiders say Alexander was asked to stop working on American Gods about a month ago. The word fired was not used internally, and a representative for Alexander said that that, the character- that characterization was not accurate. But Alexander is no longer working as a writer or showrunner, and has been asked... <laughs> Not to sit in on editing, be involved on set, or participate in any other areas of production or post-production. Just an editorial here. Sounds a lot like fired to me. (laughs) (laughs) One source described Alexander's role as effectively fired but not fired, as he has been relegated to the sidelines on season two, but has yet to be replaced. Sources note that Fremantle, the show's studio, would rather exile Alexander than endure the negative attention that would come from dismissing a second showrunner in two seasons. So, basically, he's fired. Well, they just want to say he's fired because they already fired Brian Fuller and Michael Green. Let's not do that again. Why are they even bothering anymore? (laughs) I don't even understand. Though I'm looking forward to seeing... um what a disaster season two is. That could be quite amusing. I am fascinated to see next season. Well, one of the reasons apparently is that they're still going is they're actually very close to the end of production of season two. Right. Um, apparently, Alexander has turned in multiple drafts of the show's season two finale, but have been rejected. The production has been on, sorry, is six weeks behind and recently was forced to go in, go on a hiatus. Instead of shooting the season finale, which should have been in production already, American Gods has been filming pickups and reshoots for earlier episodes. So they've been basically the actors and the yeah. camera crew have just been sitting around twiddling their thumbs, trying to find something to shoot, which is actually funnily relevant to, to, Bojack, to yeah. Bojack this season, actually. That's good point. Um, and yeah, they've just been trying to figure out something to do while they sort out this mess and write a season finale. Everything else is done, apparently. Wow. There you go. Yes. Anyway, uh, that was a great story. If you want to read more up on that, and there is a lot of detail on this, actually, I'll have the link to this uh, Hollywood Reporter story in the show notes. Okay. Some headlines um, from just the TV and movie uh, news world. Um, Making a Murderer Season 2 arrives on Netflix on October 19th. That was announced in the last week or so. Did mm-hmm. you watch Making a Murderer season one of course i did <laughs> what did you what did you think i loved it yeah. it was amazing it was incredible it was long detailed drawn out mm-hmm. and sort of like i know a lot of people didn't love it i think really i found it captivating every episode i think people maybe came because this came out at the time like serial had gone big and yeah. then all of a sudden like not that like um murder mystery whodunits or anything like that had been docu docu-series hadn't been popular before, like forensic files and stuff like that. Mm. But there was this new like craving for it. It was the after serial. And so I think people went into this thinking it would be that sort of pulpy because serial can be a bit pulpy yeah. in a way. Yeah. And it wasn't that, but I'm like you. I freaking mm. loved making a murderer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh like it was that well yeah, ten long episodes I think it was, and it was pretty fulfilling though. Yeah, I I think so. I mean I was even like after I finished watching it, like I was keeping up with the the news of what was happening. With like him and his little cousin, 
uh, nephew, nephew, I think, nephew? Brendan Dassey. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, I was I was in fully in, and obviously, like I know, like people are gonna be like, oh, but actually, they didn't show this. <laughs> Um, I know, but just as a story, as a well-constructed story, I dug it. I dug it hard. Are you interested in season two? What is season two about? It is still about Stephen okay. Avery and Brandon Dassey. And it's about them post-conviction, mm. what it's like for them now. They're in prison sort of situation. As far as I'm aware, there hasn't been a whole lot released yet, but it's going to mm. be the ongoing story okay. of them post because we sort of ended, I think, the first season with their spoilers for real life, with them both being convicted of mm. this murder. Um, uh, I think it was Brandon first, and then Stephen. There was a, there was a they did that on purpose, I think, because mm. if he was convicted, because he was Brandon was the one that confessed in a possibly a coerced confession, then Stephen Avery had no foot to stand on, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway. Yeah. No. I. I'd be intrigued to watch it. Um, I mean, the first season was so good. It's kind of like how I felt about season two of Serial, where I was like, first season was so good. The second just did not live up to it. So that's very disappointing. So yeah, I'm. I'm not super hopeful that it's yeah. going to be as good, but I'll check it out. Um, have you heard of any of season three of Serial yet? No. no I'm, I I'm, I'm three episodes in and loving it. Okay. It's- it's great. A um, few trailers have come out for movies in the last uh, couple of weeks as well. Um, I just got you to watch them before we started mm-hmm. rolling. Just wanted mm-hmm. to get your sort of, just the, your t- the temperature, a little bit of My a temperature hot reading. Takes. Ex- exactly. <laughs> that is the segment. <laughs> um, so, Mary Poppins Returns released mm. a new trailer. We call it the full trailer now. It's less of a tease and more of a, you mm. know, showing the scope of the movie. How do you feel about Mary Poppins Returns? Incredibly nervous oh, yeah. about it. Oh, um, I hope it's good. I'm worried about uh, CGI. I'm oh, worried really? about Lin Manuel Miranda. I know America's obsessed with the guy. I'm yet to be convinced. Yeah. Um, you were the probably the person who was least into Moana. Moana yeah. I know. <laughs> Everybody was hot for that. And Damascus was, was the not. one exception. <laughs> it was not. I wanted to be, mm. but I was like, no, I like to make, like, I like my characters with arcs, but that's just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And I've also, I obviously haven't seen Hamilton, but I've listened to the soundtrack and color me unimpressed Whoa. by it. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it was just the whole thing of like rich and middle class white people going, huh, rap. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise I was like, I don't get it at all. I don't know. Maybe the show is incredible. Anyway, um, just please at me with your opinions of Hamilton. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so a bit nervous about that. And I mean, it's got a huge, massive, very important thing to live up to. Yes. Literally a a movie that I cherish dearly. I I think Emily Blunt is a fantastic choice as Mary Mm -hmm, Poppins. mm -hmm. Like. In any movie, no matter what she's doing, I'm charmed by her. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very clever to have her do it. Um, I'm glad Dick Van Dyke's in it. I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. But yeah, very nervous. What about you? What are your thoughts on it? First of all, I haven't listened to the Hamilton soundtrack or seen the show. I've deliberately avoided it until mm. I can see the actual performance. I listened to the Hamilton soundtrack through once. Yeah. I was like, that's enough. Everyone, one of those things I have, uh, there was a, uh, I don't know, a bunch of shows like Book of Mormon and Matilda and stuff like that. And everyone, because obviously in Australia, they hadn't arrived here yet. They were over on Broadway and mm. West End and stuff like that. And people were 
like consuming the soundtrack. So by the time they got to the show, there was no surprises in terms mm. of like songs performances. Yeah, I was like, no, I don't want to be like that. I want the first time I hear these songs or listen mm-hmm. to these songs properly to be in the performance. So I haven't actually heard it yet, deliberately avoiding it. But in terms of Mary Poppins Returns, I'm optimistic. I actually mm-hmm. liked Moana and tend to like Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> um, agreed on Emily Blunt. I think the cast overall looks great. Mm-hmm. I the the look of it seems right to me. Like they very lovingly recreated Cherry Tree Lane and yeah, that house does look great. And like all that stuff looks perfect. Um, my big concern is just is can you live up to the original? Because mm-hmm. it is so beloved and it is old enough now that it's kind of like I think people forgive its rough edges and stuff like that as well. Like, it's all part of the charm. It's just, mm. There is nothing about Mary Poppins that anyone can go, yeah, but what I about that? I think it's aged really well, though. I, I mean... You, you, like, when they're floating on the ceiling, it still looks fucking magical. Yeah. There are... There are I, I don't know. The peng- Dancing with penguins, amazing. Yes. When they're in the horse race, fucking incredible. <laughs> it still looks great. It does. It, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that they've shown there's obviously going to be hand-drawn animated sequences. Yeah, I like that. It's not just CGI really. stuff, which I was worried. It would be just that sort of thing. The bit where they're swimming under the ocean made me go, ooh. That's, it, it depends what it goes with in that visual style. Yeah. If it's trying to go hyper-realistic or is it trying to be sort of like a weird cartoony or clean? I don't know. There's a lot of ways it can go. Yeah. My biggest concern is actually this is this could be more of a soft reboot rather than a or almost like a soft remake. Does that make sense? Mm. I'm worried that too many because you obviously want to pay homage to the last one. Mm. They were always going to have homage. a hand. Yeah. They're always going to have a hand drawn animated sequence in there mm-hmm. because it's iconic from the you first got one. Stuff. Mm. But how many? Oh, that's from the first movies mm. are going to be in there. They kind of just make this more of a wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, we know you love the first one. Let's do that again. Mm. Rather than actually going, well, let's make, let's be our own story or actually continue the story. That worries me. A little bit like The Force Awakens. The last trailer of The Force Awakens, I was a little bit like, I'm starting to get the feeling this is going to be a new Hope 2.0. And I hope this isn't just Mary Poppins 2.0, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got what you're saying. That's my biggest worry. I think it's going to be charming as fuck and yeah. enjoyable. I don't think it'll be bad. I yeah. Just well, I love it. Yeah. I'm hoping, I think, because in the trailer she says, you know, I'm here to look after the bank's children and like the actual kids are like, oh, us. And like, oh, yeah, you too. So I'm hoping that there will be a progression in which her relationship with the kids is actually de- develops. It's the, the next stage. It's yeah. So we're learning something new about all the different characters and it's just about something new. I, I think that is quite likely based on mm. what even the trailer represents it sounds like the mother of these children has died and from what i understand r.i.p why i understand this is set during the great depression mm-hmm. so the time period wise it makes sense so economically this is different you know mm. so sort of socially economically time for uh, yeah th- compared to the first one uh, there's obvious yeah there's potential there how do you feel about the title mary poppins returns mm, i don't know what else would you go on with I don't know. It just makes me Mary laugh. Mary Poppins 2. <laughs> it just sounds really like... It sounds like an epic. It, and it makes ominous. me laugh. Yeah. Well, have you seen that recut version of Mary Poppins as like a uh, horror film? No, someone I haven't. Wrote like, like, just like a trailer of Mary Poppins. Oh, no. There was, I think it was Mrs. Doubtfire, but I think I've seen a version of that for Mary oh, Poppins okay, as well. Right. It works pretty well for that too because <laughs> she is... She's uh, she's a sassy bitch in the first yeah. one. I love well, it. Well, she's. I mean, I remember being kind of scared of her because she was so like scared off the wall. Attracted to her, that wasn't happening. Oh, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big thing for Julie Andrews after the first one. Sorry, go on. Now I'm just thinking 
about Julie Andrews in a sexual way and I never saw that coming. What? No, no, no I think she's beautiful. But I, I but no, she's too wholesome. No. <laughs> you think she's a dirty girl? I just think she's <laughs> sexy as. <laughs> Love Julie Andrews. Oh, All right. don't get me started. I mean, she's definitely got a little something, something in Princess she's a Diaries. Spark. She's a spy the princess diary. Well, she yeah. does with like that chauffeur dude. And they're oh, all sure. like, oh, that's a bit of a sexy vibe there. Yeah, I sure. know. There's the bit. Think think about in The Sound of Music, the like the in the rain kissing in the uh, in the rotunda or whatever it is. With, I actually uh, don't think I've ever watched the whole film. What? It's so long. It's so good. It's a, that's a film. Sound mm. of Music was a movie that I, for the longest time growing up, like as you know, as an adolescent boy. You, know, you turn into a man. I was like, nah, <laughs> nah, the sound of music, shit. I hate the oh, sound okay, of music. Oh, okay, right, sorry. Because yeah. that was an attitude my dad had. Like, oh, he doesn't okay. like musicals at all or animated films, which, you know. Clearly didn't rub off on Didn't rub yeah. off on me in the end. But I remember trying to actively like, nah, sound of music sucks. Right. And it would be on TV and I'd watch it for 10 minutes and go, Look, this movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good film. You yeah. haven't watched all of it. I don't think so. Oh, man. No. And that the fourth act is so good. Because oh, we'll I remember like we had like a taped version, like a VHS Kids, Google it. Um, <laughs> like how you'd like tape it off the TV. Sure. Commercials included, obviously. And it's so long that like probably the last 15 minutes like cut off. And no, so what? I assume they died in concentration camps. Is that not how I it mean, is? I mean, you've got to watch it. <laughs> no, I've seen the stage show. I know how it is. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Well, as long Okay. As long as it's not a mystery. Apparently, <laughs> Hannah Dallas, who was on... Uh, I'm going to tell your story here, Hannah. Who was on the last episode of this. Yeah. Apparently, when they were growing up, their parents would stop it at the wedding mm. and go, oh, that's the end of the movie. So, they didn't get to the whole bit with the Nazis at the end. <laughs> it's like, happy ending, everybody. And that mm. was like the end of the movie for them. I thought that was amazing. That's good. Were they raised in Germany? What was going on? <laughs> Just, you know, it gets serious at the end when... It does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel trailer. We finally mm. got our Captain Marvel trailer. We did. How we feel? What? Yeah, I watched it. And I was like, eh. Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw on Twitter, God bless Twitter, someone had, had re-edited it to um, God is a Woman. Okay. I was rock hard the whole time just <laughs> from excitement. It was so fucking badass. I was like, yes. I haven't seen that. God is a woman. Fuck. It's on my I think I retweeted it on my Twitter. It's okay, there. excellent. Um it, that got me really excited, really, really excited. So do that. I will check that for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. It does look a little generic. Yeah, uh, it was my first impression from the trailer. Just come come from the end of it and go. Not really sure what I'm meant to go. Oh, I'm glad we're seeing that for the first time. Yeah. Or that looks new and exciting necessarily, except mm. for it being the first female Marvel superhero movie in the MCU. Mm. Um, but I like Brie Larson a lot. The stuff Love they're her. doing with the de-aging of like um, Nick Fury. Samuel and, L. And um, Agent Coulson and stuff like mm. that. Excited by that. Excited to see Ronan again. All those sorts of things. It's more like- I'm in, not excited to see Ronan. I'm I'm hoping they- Because I always liked Lee Pace's performance as Ronan. 
I would like to, if they can maybe give him some more depth. Yeah, totally. If they can yeah, yeah. add to that, because I like I like the character more in a design aspect than yeah, an actual Yeah, I'm character. sure they can make him cool, but when it was like announced that he was going to be in, I wasn't like, oh, fuck yeah, more Ronan. Like, that was not my reaction. Cause, cause but Ga- I get what you're saying. Because Guardians is like my favorite MCU film. I was, mm. I was like, cool, awesome. Maybe they can make this character a bit better mm. now, and then it's going to make- When you go back, you're like, ooh, Ronan, yeah, nice Marvel's to see you. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, I think, yeah, it's more in context of the ongoing story I'm interested in that movie more than the trailer made me go, yes. Yeah. Except for the scrolls bit and the bit where she punches an old lady on a train. Those things made me go, excellent, can't wait. <laughs> Looking forward to all of that. Mm. Uh, the- it was funny reading the comments about that. Everyone's like, oh, are we not going to mention that she punched an old lady in the face? Whatever happened to feminism? I'm like... <laughs> Fuck off, you idiot! And then it became a meme, which was even better. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, it was like it was like it was one of those like three panel memes where mm. they like show her standing next to somebody, and then like the old woman would say something in the caption, and then it'd be her whining to punch <laughs> her in the face, <laughs> and that was great. Beautiful. Uh, Bumblebee. This is the new spin-off slash reboot of the Transformers of the live oh, action okay. no, <laughs> of the live action Transformers series. Hard to I don't know yet where this is placed. This is meant to be. It looks like the eighties, right? No, I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. Oh no! Now I'm thinking of all the military stuff, and no, you're right. I was thinking of what she was wearing, but yeah, no, go on. It's more uh, like I think it's set current day, but it was more of a question of because they have the burning Mac, um. Like his dialogue where he's giving the Bumblebee to Sam Witwicky in the first film. Oh, over right, right, it. right. Okay. I did notice that. Yep. And then there's obviously, they're either drawing a parallel and saying, this is us telling that story again, but with a different, like, let's retell this story differently, basically. Mm. Or it's like, this was before that movie. This right. is hard to know where they're going for there. Don't know if it matters. How'd you feel about the trailer? Any interest at all? No, <laughs> I because I remember you being like, oh, you know, it's you were really excited about it, about the concept of it. Uh, that that's uh, over exaggeration. No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I think it. You're totally right. I think it's probably just a reiteration of that original Transformers film. The Per, the young person bonding with a transformer. A boy and her dog. A boy and his dog in this case. A boy and a her girl dog. And her <laughs> robot car. And then I was like, oh, this is looks like boring. Maybe the rest of the trailer will actually add something new. And then the rest of the trailer was just action sequences with transformers transforming in a way that looks ridiculous to me and smashing up against each other. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Not interested. Oh, okay. This is where we had very different interpretations then. Because for me, the, there's a teaser that came out earlier, like a few months ago now, mm. that got me excited for a couple of reasons. A, Hayley Steinwell, I've liked her and everything she's done. She's great. Two, they seem to have figured out what the first Transformers did well Mm. Transformers live action film and are doubling down on that element which is make it about the story of the girl in this case mm. and Bumblebee and mm-hmm. like that's your core mm-hmm. story that's the emo- and there seemed to be a lot of like uh, I don't know there was an emphasis on the emotional um, connection there I thought I thought that showed in the, in the trailer was like a lot of that and the action's there too but the act- what two things they fixed one the Transformers actually look like they're Transformers from the Gen 1 Transformer cartoon. And they transform in a way that you can kind of go, I can see how a car is becoming a robot. Not that 
car is being ripped into a thousand shards and then put back together as a robot, and that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't. That's not how Transformers worked as toys, right? Yeah, no, I'm gonna just. I don't agree with that because right, that to me, you can mm. see them. It's much easier. I don't to think see it's. It's certainly not bits. as extreme as where the Transformers franchise ended up. Even but in it the first still one. looks <laughs> dumb to me. Sure, it looks very dumb, and I'm like, I don't know how that was. I don't know a plane, and it's now not a plane. Like it just looks ridiculous. It was a plane, and then it was a car, and then it was a robot. Classic. <laughs> it does both somehow. It's pretty impressed by that. And then. Um, the other thing was in the first movie in particular, and even the second one, I think all of them are rubbish, by the way. The first one's pretty good. The rest are all rubbish. The action was really poorly shot when, when they were bumping into each other, mm. it just looked like garbage. And this one is a great shot at the end. I loved where Bumblebee is fighting this other, uh, transformer. Mm-hmm. And she's running, Taylor Stonewall's character is running towards the camera. Yeah. And they are wrestling in the background. But I can actually tell which one's which because they're more colourful and they're more well-defined. And mm-hmm. I can, the, it's more clearly shot. And I was like, I think, and it's made by the person. Have you seen Kubo and the Two Strings? No, I still haven't. <sighs> do I lend that to you? Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere in a box in this house. It's directed by the director of Kubo and the Two Strings. And I fucking love Kubo and the Two Strings. Okay, I, that is okay. I that have, makes me have a little bit more respect for it. I have, I have hope. Okay, is it's got me interested. I went from being why the fuck are they making spinoff movies to yeah. Oh, the problem was Michael Bay the whole time, and maybe we'll finally get a good like the best Transformers movie, basically. Yeah, I'll wait to see what you and others think of it before I even consider spending $40 billion on a movie ticket. Fair enough. Uh, final trailer, Creed 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw Creed 1. I did. What did you think, Creed 1? Not a huge fan. <laughs> found it pretty boring, to be honest with you. We're fi- we're I know I'm disappointing <laughs> you in so many levels, but it's just like I don't care about it. I don't care about like. Boxing is not interesting to me. Sure. People building themselves up so that they can get into a small space and get punched <laughs> in the face is not inspiring to me. Sure. Um, and this trailer <sighs> about him, I mean, it just sound, it sounds really funny to me, the fact that he's going to go fight a guy. The son of the guy, guy who killed his it's dad. So, I mean, it's a soap, which... Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of down for soaps. I mean, I love Riverdale, um, which I think shows the viewers that I have great taste. So, take my opinion very seriously. It's a brilliant show comes out at the end of the month. Yeah. Ooh, um, yeah, I'll watch that. Um, yeah, I just I just don't care. I mean, it's got Tessa Thompson in it, so that makes me go, maybe I will watch it. But that's like the only reason I probably go see it. Are you looking forward to the new Men in Black film that has Tessa Thompson and um, Chris Hemsworth in it? What? Yeah. So, like, reteaming. Oh. Yeah. And, like, oh. you should see the set photos of them in their suits. And it's just like... Mwah. Do I get to watch them make love? Because I'd be very interested in that. <laughs> Maybe. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> that would be good. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Creed 2? Creed? I've been trying to figure this out. I've been wrapping my head around it lately. So, mm. this is getting a little inside baseball on Broad here. But um, <laughs> there's a there's a, a montage about three quarters of the way into that film. Creed. Of, him get, of Creed. Mm. Creed 1, right? Where he's getting ready for his big fight at the end. And um, that five-minute sequence, the music to that is mm. the... That's my running track. Like, I've got five minutes left to go on my run. That's the... It doesn't matter how fucked I am, I will pump through that last five minutes because it is so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. And that movie... I've watched it a few times now. 
might be in like my top 10 movies of this like decade. Like I think it's a fucking great movie. Really? So good. So, (laughs) so, so good. Really, really rate that film in a big, big way. We clearly are looking for very different things. We are. (laughs) But like, uh, yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Highly regard that movie. And um, Creed 2, I'm excited at the idea, except Ryan Coogler's not directing. Mm. The the teaser trailer, the one that came before this, had me really worried. Yeah. This one has, it's, you know, it's shaping the story a little bit more and I can sort of see where it's going now. Um, Who's directing it? Do you know? I don't remember actually, which is terrible of me as a podcast. Mm. Happy podcast day, by the way. I think it's international podcast day today. Happy Uh, podcast day. Hey. (laughs) And um, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm not sold, actually. And as someone who really wants this film to be good, mm. I'm, I'm lukewarm on the trailers. But okay. I think a lot of people are loving it. So, it's going to get people to go to bums in seats, which is good for it. Mm. I, hope it I hope it's good. It's It it looks okay. I'm kind of with you. Like, the whole... If you've watched the first film, there's sort of a lot to be gained. To, to, there's a lot of discussion or examination of what it means to be the son of Apollo Creed trying mm. to make his way in the boxing world and having to fight the Drogo's son. It's sort of like, is that really where this next step of this story should be going? It feels like <laughs> we've sort of re retreading old ground. If he's still trying to yeah, yep. deal with that bullshit anyway. Fair enough. Um, oh, I haven't watched it obviously, oh. but have you, Heard recently the reaction to the latest season of The Good Place. One particular aspect of it. Um. Yes. You're talking about specifically about the accents. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard any of them yet? I've watched the first two episodes. How How is it? Oh, they're atrocious. They are <laughs> simply terrible, overdone Australian accents. Yeah. Oh, crikey, mate! How you going? Oh, Bonza. It's a bit <laughs> of that. But it's um. Are they like the ones that they had in Lost, which were awful? Uh, well, a lot of people have said. That it's um, because uh, apparently Michael Schur was uh, getting a lot of inspiration from Damien Lindelof and Lost, yeah. like to the point where he's got terrible Australian accents as well. <laughs> no, it's like caricaturally terrible Australian accents. Like everyone, because he's Cheedy in the first two seasons has his friend who's a professor who's yeah. a really. It's just that. It's just everybody. But are they like a? But it, okay. But is it just bad because it's over the top no, stereotypical, or is it just a bad Australian accent? Uh, I don't know the che- difference. Because Cheedy's friend is doing an Australian accent. Yes. But in Lost, the accent is incorrect. Oh, no. It's it's an, it's an over-the-top oh, okay. stereotype Australian accent. Oh, I don't mind that then. I just it, thought the This is the thing everyone's bad. saying is like some people are thinking it's a clue to what to like, is this like a law thing, right? Mm. Um, which is possible while... Others are saying it's just part of the joke, mm-hmm. which I think, which I think it is. There's a um, so it's like the Simpsons episode. Yeah, it's Australia. just like yeah. that, right? And there's like, and they're really leaning into dollary ochery ochreism yeah. or the Australianism yeah. of things, where there's like a place that sells muffins, mm. and it's called We Crumb from the Land Down Under, like <laughs> like everything is hyper Australianized. Yeah, I and really enjoy that. And I think that's fine. I think I'm okay to mm. laugh at that joke because I can laugh with you on that one because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. And yeah. No, I'm I'm for it. It's fine. It's mm. it wasn't like distractingly bad. So that's it was just like- kind of like all like the um, 
what what are they called? The frozen yogurt places and stuff in the bad place. Yes. You know how they like had all like the different names. Yeah, the different names. Yeah. So it's kinda like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. All right. See, there's theories around all this stuff. Yeah, People I'm are sure. speculating already. That's what they like to do with the good place. You I, I can't believe you haven't started yet. I was like straight on it. Sorry. Okay. La- I've been moving. Oh, good point. Last last little bit of mm-hmm. off topic hot topic, which we should have moved on already. But anyway, we need to discuss this one. Netflix orders a live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm. So if you So Broad's got a 12 part lecture series, <laughs> it's gonna start now. <laughs> Go. If you've listened to this podcast before, mm-hmm, I uh, have. especially in the early days, mm-hmm, we I was there. discussed all three seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender, the we animated did. television show from Nickelodeon. And you would know that we fucking love it. That is true. Love it, mm-hmm. adore it. I recently, just as this news was announced, same day, mm. I got my hands on a copy of a, the Blu-rays of Avatar. They finally Ooh. put them on Blu-ray. Yep. They fixed some of the, like, the interlacing issues from the DVDs. I can watch them in the best possible version ever. I'm so excited. I sat down and watched a couple of episodes and like there are scenes between certain characters without spoiling things that just made me... like Just the knowing what was going to happen, I was getting emotional because I love this show and these characters mm. so goddamn much. Mm-hmm. On that same fucking day, <laughs> on Twitter, just one more scroll through Twitter before I go to bed. <laughs> Holy fuck. They've announced they're making a live action adaptation mm. of Avatar Last Spender. There is a lot to unpack here. Yep. A, why? <laughs> why, mm. why are they doing this? Why remake what is already a fantastically excellently told story that's not even 10 years old? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's even 10 years old yet. Why do that? Why not just get more of the show? Why not make another animated series? Why not make a live action series, but set it at a different time period in that universe? Why Mm -hmm. remake the original series? I mean, to that, I would say that as much as I love Avatar, I very rarely would ever recommend it to people because it is a kid show. It, um, I think a lot of people wouldn't connect with it and they would look past it because it does get so good and it's such a beautiful story. And I think this is a really smart avenue to really pull people in that I think would really love it, but I know they can't get past those certain elements. So here's the, here's the pros mm-hmm. of this. Um, the original creators, Brian Konetsko and Michael Dante DiMartino, otherwise known as Brike, will return as showrunners for the live action series. Great news, great news. Excellent news. Mm-hmm. These guys know what they're doing. They make horror yeah. as if well. If that wasn't the case, I'd be terrified. They're all yeah. over it because yeah. they had no involvement in the live action movie, which everyone should know the live action movie of The Last Emitter is fucking awful, mm-hmm. made by M. Nut Shyamalan, and he is terrible. Is it is no representation of the show at it, all. It does look good. Like visually, it's got some stuff going for it. Every single other element of that, including its race bending, is way off the table. <laughs> Yeah. Pro number two, they've already said they're going to make, it's going to be appropriately cast, as in they're going to cast Asian people or people Mm -hmm. of Asian heritage as these characters, no fucking white race bending in this, Mm -hmm. which is excellent news. Mm -hmm. Number three, it appears that the original Airbender and Korra composer Jeremy Zuckerman will also return, which is excellent because that music is fucking iconic. So beautiful. And he is so great and needs, he should be working more and I'm really glad he's on board. Mm Okay. Okay. Biggest worries. All right, here's the other pro. The other pro is that if this goes well, we may get more Avatar. Mm. I'm a massive believer that 
this show should be bigger than it is. Like, it has a very dedicated fan base, <laughs> but this show should be like merch everywhere. Everyone should have Absolutely. stuff. Yep. Star Wars big. Mm-hmm. It's that good in my mm-hmm. opinion. So, if this goes well, we might get another animated series of some sort or at least get more stories in the in the Avatar universe, which is awesome. My worries. A, it doesn't need to be remade. And if you're trying to remake it, you can fuck it up too. And not in the sense that like it ruins the original series. It's not what I'm saying. You're not going to ruin my childhood. Especially because <laughs> I was already an adult when I watched this show. <laughs> but... You're going to ruin my awkward 20s. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it... Why why try and retell perfection? Mm-hmm. That's risky to me. Number two, can they pull off the visuals that an animated show has no problem doing because you can do whatever you want in animation, right? In a live action setting, can they do flying bison and martial uh, elemental martial arts on a TV budget? Now, obviously, budgets are getting bigger, but do we believe that Netflix is going to give them? Like, I think of like. Uh, Stranger Things, a Netflix adaptation, a Netflix television show, right? And the the Demogorgon or the Demodogs and those sorts of things, and they're not all that. They're fine, mm. they're serviceable, but Avatar is a beautiful television show, the original, and you'd expect the same from this. Can they pull that off on a TV budget? And my biggest worry of all mm-hmm. is simply one of casting, two characters specifically, Zuko and Uncle Iroh. And if you get them wrong, the whole thing dies. It is so important that those characters are cast well because they are crucial and beloved and you get it wrong, the whole thing. It's like it's built on the foundation of that. Even more than Aang and Katara and Saka and Toph, though I look forward to casting those people. If that, that bedrock is wrong, the whole mm. thing collapses on itself at that point. Yeah, I think Zuko is really important. I think Saka is really important. I think Saka, like in the show, you can build, right? Like, mm. Saka doesn't start out as a necessarily great character. He's not particularly funny. They find his voice somewhere by the end of season one, season two. Mm-hmm. And he starts to become a really great character at that point. Um, you can even work on that. Yeah. I just mean you need, you need someone that can pull it off. You do. That can, yeah, balance that character. But he doesn't have to carry the emotional weight as the other two characters. Mm-hmm. That... The entire thing hinges on them, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. I'm just, oh, I'm scared. I just don't know if they can do it. I don't know if you can do it. I think you can do it. I hope so. I really think you can. Are you excited? Are you worried? Are you? I am really excited. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking for, if it goes well, I am so, nothing would make me happier than being able to share Avatar yeah. with people. Like, because there's very few people that I know that watch it. And love it. So, like, having, like, a bunch of people fall in love with it, that makes me really excited. I wonder if it goes well. Like, say season one's a massive hit. Mm. Do people go back and find season two and season three of the animated show, like, to see what happens, to get ahead of the story? Like, people oh, would have I don't know. Have you been on the internet? Of course people are going to do that. Yeah. I'm, that excites me, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you were able to get into the show mm. and, like, you watch the first couple episodes of season two and it's like, oh, it's a bit too kiddy or whatever, but then you... You, you know, you get on its wavelength yeah. and all of a sudden you're in love. Like, more people fall in love with that show, the original as well. Mm. Sort of the way that people re- read Lord of the Rings after the Fellowship of the Ring came mm-hmm. out or mm-hmm. the Game of Thrones books and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, totally. Fuck, man. That has me excited. And then people find Korra as well. Oh, oh. More people need to be watching Avatar they stuff. They do. 
yes. Very, 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 I don't know, cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. is where I'm at. We need to move on. Let's we talk- do? Yeah, I need to move on. <laughs> it's a long wait. Who knows when that show comes out too? Is it coming out next year? Is it coming out 2020? Fuck knows how long it's going to take. I don't know. Do we need to move on or not? Yeah, we do. We, we do not. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of BoJack Horseman Season 5. Let me clue you in. Season in review. In Season 5 of BoJack Horseman, the titular character is starring in a brand new TV show, Princess Carolyn wants a baby, Diane goes soul-searching in Vietnam, Mr. Peanut Butter gets in touch with his tough side, and Todd rises up the corporate ladder. Joining the core cast this time around are new regulars Rami Malik, Stephanie Beatriz, and Hong Chow, as pickles are plenty. Season 5 consists of the customary 12 episodes, with each episode coming in at around 26 minutes, and took us approximately 5 hours and 10 minutes to watch. Season 6 has not officially been announced, but is expected to arrive sometime in 2019. Before we start, just a quick refresher on our thoughts on BoJack Horseman up to this point. I think we both thought season 1 was fine. Mm -hmm. Season 2, we liked a lot more. Season Mm -hmm. 3, we absolutely adored. Mm -hmm. Season 4, we liked a lot, a lot as well, Mm -hmm. but maybe just a smidge below season 3, and that's where we're at, basically. We're really enjoying BoJack Horseman. We're very excited for this season. Yes, 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 yes. So, Damask, mm-hmm. I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to get let you go first on this one. How kind. Uh, <laughs> can you please give me your spoiler-free review of BoJack Horseman Season 5? I can do that. And here I go. <laughs> <laughs> this season can probably be summed up with a quote that Diane said all the way back in Season 1. She said, I don't think I believe in deep down. I kind of think that all you are is just the things that you do. We have seen countless shows before where the troubled and toxic male lead damages himself and those around him, but we learn to understand the deep down aspects of who he is. And so we empathize with him and even feel bad for him. But this show says you can have a deeper understanding of the trauma that this character has experienced. You can empathize with his struggles, but that is not the point. We spent season four delving into the damage that Bojack had experienced during his childhood. We saw why someone like him does the things he does. We felt for him. We must first acknowledge where he came from so we can explore who he is now, who he allows himself to be every day. Can he find value in himself and his life? Does he add value to the world? Does he make it better? And if time and time again he fails, is he worth our forgiveness? Is he worth his own? Having a life of value isn't something that someone can give to him or heal for him. He has to realize that it takes work and he has to do that work. This season doesn't pull any punches. It dives into heavy stuff and it asks us all to take a breath and really think about our own actions, the things we do that define who we are. It also tells us that no matter how bleak or how lost we may seem, if we take the time to connect to one another, it's actually going to be tolerable. That even though we might be drowning, if we look up and see our friends, maybe it's not so bad. It's better than drowning alone, never having mattered to anyone. Now that might seem bleak, but (laughs) that's life sometimes. As viewers, we have come to understand that this is probably not going to have a happy ending And that's okay because the truth of life is more important and valuable than the myth of perpetual happiness. After I finish watching every season of this incredible show, I feel as though I've had an amazing therapy session. 
I laugh, I cry, and I have a new perspective on my own experiences. This show is a gift. It's something I will revisit time and time again. So thank you, BoJack Horseman team. You guys are fucking legends. That's my review. That could have come. That last bit could come straight out of the good place. Oh, you're fucking legends, fucking mate. Fucking legends. <laughs> Bloody ledgers. That was a beautifully articulated uh, review, Demas. Oh, thank you so much. Mine is not nearly as well curated, so uh, apologies <laughs> in advance, everyone. I cannot uh, compete with that. Um, I thought season five of BoJack was an excellent continuation from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, f- first of all, just something I liked that they did in this season compared to last season, and I talked about this a little bit, is they sort of split the characters up last season. Season They put them on their own little stories and trajectories, which is mm-hmm. great. They mm-hmm. can all mostly hold on and, and like contribute to or, or pilot their own stories in that sense. But I did like that they found a way to bring them back to a common situation. Mm. Yeah. And it didn't mean that they were always in scenes together and stuff like that, but they sort of got to crisscross into each other's stories a lot more. And I thought that served the show pretty well. It was good to have them interacting a little bit more again. Loved that. Um, without getting to specifics, dives headlong into some very relevant topics, some very sort of dark, relevant stuff that and just handles it beautifully, really explores it, discusses it, and most importantly, it examines itself and its how it contributes to mm-hmm. this sort of phenomena as well. Um, it understands that it has some commonalities with some problematic stories and characters on television, the Mm -hmm. way that they are um, sort of viewed by their audiences or maybe even, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Idolized. Idolized, thank you, exactly, by their audiences and looks to that and says, well, no, Mm -hmm. that's not what's meant to happen here and is just a perfect examination of all of that and mm. really, really appreciate that. Um, it's just another great season of, of honestly what's one of the best TV shows on TV on right now that's still in production. Mm-hmm. It is, it just is not disappointing. It's not letting us down at all. I'm loving BoJack Horseman still and I thought season five was another fantastic season. Mm-hmm. Um some people say that this show, I don't know, they talk about this show like, I'm looking forward to the next season of BoJack, kind of, oh my God, it's going to be so hard and it's going to be a slog, like, because it's going to hurt so much or it's going to be, you know, so, mm. you can't, like, they talk about like it's unenjoyable in some way. Do you feel that way about what I don't project? feel that way at all, Neither no. do I. We had this no. discussion the other day um, in the car, we we're sort of just mm. talking about this. It's an interesting phenomenon that people talk about like, oh, it's this, you know, awful agony. It's like, it's talking about... Deep stuff. It's mm. talking about depressing things, but fuck, I find it so watchable. And I, f- I find it one. It's, it's still really funny to me. Yeah. And also, I just think it's such a cathartic process watching it. I find, like, they have me like, you know, having true moments of introspection that are like informative and kind of amazing. And I'm, yeah. I like, I just don't. You know, it doesn't feel like a slog. And yet it, there are episodes that are like emotionally tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't feel exhausted by it. I feel rejuvenated by it, I think, or re-energized by it. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same. I find it all 
exhilarating in mm, a way yeah. that it tackles this stuff. I'm and- so excited by what they're doing and how they're doing it. Yeah. And at every turn, I could so easily be disappointed, particularly considering a lot of the subject matter this season. Mm-hmm. Very easily could have been disappointed. Yeah. And just wasn't. I was like, no. you guys are so smart. Yeah. Like, you consider... And fearless. Yeah, absolutely. They consider every aspect of what they're talking about and they take it really seriously and are just honest about it. And are still funny. And are still so, so funny. Yeah, it's fucking a marvel. It's just incredible what they're doing. To, to be that entertaining, yeah, and still be so insightful and... Mm. Yeah, it's extremely, extremely impressive. And and very intimidating. <laughs> someone who, like, is a writer, I'm just like, holy shit, how? <laughs> but I think it's important, like, mm. just to take this out of con- like in the context of, like, a creative for a second. This show didn't really find this groove mm. for yeah. two seasons. Yeah. Like, it, it, it didn't start this good. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Yeah. And it was always talking about a lot of this stuff, but... He didn't get this good at talking about it until end of season two, season three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all part of that process of you find your own voice in that you find your own unique way of being honest Mm -hmm. about how you see the world. And that's exactly what they do every season. So, yeah, when I think about seasons to come, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. I don't, mm. I, it's one of those things as well. You start to go like, is this something that's going to start tapering off so, soon? Mm. Has it peaked? Is it peaking? Where are we at sort of? And right now I don't know. I, I, uh, last season I was kind of like, I feel like we're, we're heading towards an end point. And now I feel like we're kind of heading into a middle, like just a really cruisy middle. We could extend this out for eight, nine, ten seasons. And as long as it stayed relevant and it mm-hmm. stayed honest and it didn't try to push past its own limitations it would it could be continue to make this yeah i feel like we have been led up a mountain to a cliff point and that's not what i thought was happening no and i feel like you know we're about to be pushed off and i'm looking forward to it that was something uh we talked about in the spoiler spoiler review of season four actually we we came up with some expect like um some predictions for what we mm. think would happen next season. I'm obviously a terrible writer because all of my suggestions didn't happen, and I'm <laughs> really happy about that yeah um and they found a much more interesting place to go with it. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I get the... Unfortunately, I like, I think they might go here. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe that seems a little bit rote, but it just feels like it's naturally going to go. And it just like... They oh obviously God. saw that too and went, turned away and went, no. Mm. We can do this much better if we go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, final score and ranking, I guess, since we've got five of these now. How did you score this out of five stars? I'm going to give it 4.5. Yeah. Um, I think that's similar to... My last two, right? They've all been 4.5s. I think last one was four and, the, and season three was 4.5. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, very high. It's just once again comes back to me still disliking one character. Sure. And that kind of element of the show. And I get that people love it. It's just, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I'm also giving you a 4.5. Mm-hmm. Though, as we talked about it, and I've had a chance to rewatch three, four, five episodes mm. along the way. Um, I, I'm never. I'm not disappointed by the show. The show never. I don't walk away from an episode anymore and go, "Oh, that was bad." I sort of. It's more just like comparing this to season three, which I've considered to be the mm-hmm. peak, and wondering if this is as good, better, or mm-hmm. not so good. And it sits so close. I think I'm gonna give it a four point five. Mm-hmm. But it's. I weirdly think that I might get to the like if you if the show ended like the show ended now, 
I might turn around and say the show was a five star show. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I, none of these seasons will reach a five. <laughs> they haven't yet. But I might look back and go, no, this show is a five star show though. I was thinking about that today. I was like, oh, retroactively, I was like, I want to go back and just go like five, five, five. You yeah. all get five just because as a whole, because obviously we have to do this season by season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a whole, this show is incredible. Mm. And I think one of my favorite television experiences of this year, of the last few years, I think, like has just been so amazing. I mean, I still love Glow. That was my favorite mm-hmm. show of last year. Great. But this thing as a whole so far mm-hmm. has been amazing. Yeah, because we've done the thing where we went back and watched Breaking Bad for the first time mm. and like caught up on that because obviously it's so well regarded mm. and got to the end of that and was really happy we did it. Mm-hmm. And the same with The Wire. Really happy we got back around to The Wire. Mm-hmm. But there's something really exciting about having caught up and watching this still happen. And man, I anticipate that next season. I cannot wait yeah. to hear that season six comes out, you know, next year or whenever it's going to be. Mm. Like really, really enjoying just being in the middle of this right now. It's, it's super great. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning, on this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one to five of BoJack Horseman. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of BoJack Horseman up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. BoJack has hit the dark and gritty part of his career with his new show, Philbit. Princess Carolyn is producing it, as well as trying to produce a baby. Her lady bits aren't quite up to scratch, so she outsources like the smart lady she is. Todd is bumping, not uglies, but personalities with his new girlfriend, but that quickly falls apart after a trip to visit the greatest in-laws anyone could ask for, unless you're asexual, of course. Diane is grappling with her job at Girl Crush, and the fact that she's living in a shitty apartment since her and Mr. Peanut Butter separated, She tries to get in touch with her roots by travelling to Vietnam, but she would have had just as much of an enriching time if she'd gone to a restaurant and ordered pho. Yeah, that's right, that's how you say it. Pho. 
When the idea of a possible new controversial cast member is thrown about, Bojack tries to get ahead of the scandal and turns into everyone's favourite feminist. He asks for Diane's help, but then they both realise he has very little interest in absorbing and learning about the issues around the patriarchy. Kel's surprise. Then Bojack's mum dies and he says, you know, very little about it. Moving on. Mr. Peanut Butter makes a new lady friend. They're both free-spirited and spontaneous, but it dawns on everyone's favourite good boy that all of his wives leave him because he never grows up. Uh-oh. During filming, Bojack decides to be a badass because, once again, he needs to be the centre of attention. And of course he fucks it up and hurts his back. In order for the show to continue, Bojack is prescribed pain medication. The funny thing about giving strong medication to an addict is that it doesn't end well. This becomes obvious when Holly comes to visit her bro and they spend the whole time chasing down every drug dealer in Hollywood for a hit. The realisation that he loves drugs more than his sister might have been a wake-up call for some, but not our Bojack. Instead, he continues to spiral out of control until he genuinely loses his mind. He gets so lost in the role of Filbert that he ends up choking out his co-star and girlfriend Gina. It is dark. It happened on the set, so of course there's footage, and it's leaked. And now Bojack is ready to face the music. He's ready to be held accountable for his own actions. But as Diane tells him, it's not up to her or anyone else to hold him accountable. He has to take that responsibility on himself. And so, the two best friends head to rehab. It's time for Bojack to do the work. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Okay, let's start, because I think there's going to be a main discussion here. I just want to talk about one episode first, just remove it from the sort of the season as a whole. Not that it's not relevant to the rest of the season, but it just sort of stands on its own mm-hmm. in a particular way. And that is episode six, Free Churro, which I, what I started doing with each episode was like putting the the something does something episode mm. just to help me like sort the of friends keep track. Titles, exactly, yeah. yeah. So this was the Bojack Does Beatrice's Eulogy episode, mm-hmm. which is pretty uh, ballsy in terms of making an animated show. I think, is there a... I think there's a line, actually, that Bojack says somewhere early in the season about how, you know, story t- uh, TV is a visual medium. Mm. And, like, the idea of just a character, you know, dialogue is... Or just a character just talking to camera or whatever for a long period of time is a, would be a waste of time. And that's exactly what they do here. It is literally Bojack essentially doing a stand-up comedy routine and doing a, um, a eulogy for his dead mother for 26 minutes or whatever it is. And fuck me if it's not amazing... <laughs> Well, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he was like, he's like, oh, he's like, you know, have you watched Bojack? I was like, yeah, I'm doing it for the podcast this week. And he's like, oh, really, I'm really struggling to get through the the eulogy episode. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't understand at all. I was like, I was captivated. I think, I think people might struggle with that episode because it is... It is doing exactly what you shouldn't do, right? Mm. So it's funny because they've gone. But that's what makes it interesting. (laughs) Well, it's almost like the bookend or the uh, yin to the yang of the underwater episode from season three, right? Where there was no dialogue, there was all Mm. just visual storytelling. And this they've gone, no, Mm -hmm. we're going to keep this to just Bojack on an altar with like five camera angles. Yeah. And a little couple of little murmurs off screen basically. Yeah. And otherwise it's just going to be Will Arnett talking. It's just him. And I gotta say, that was something I came at the end of it. I was like, Will Arnett is a great actor. Yeah. Like 
He had to perform the shit out of this. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't get an Emmy for that episode for voice acting. Yeah. Like, I'd be very shocked if he didn't. Because it was amazing. It was really amazing. Mm. It was so well constructed. Exactly. I mean, it, it sets itself up to be, you know, compares itself to a stand-up routine. Yeah. Which is a very smart way of doing it, I mm-hmm. think. But like a stand-up routine, has a feels like it's off the cuff, but is actually incredibly well constructed. Mm. I just can't imagine how you write something like that. And in the middle of writing 12 other episodes, you know, 13, 11 episodes or whatever it is for the season and go, let's just write a 26-minute stand-up act that's also a eulogy and an incredible, mm. you know, piece of introspection for a character. Um, yeah. It's just it, so I mean, well constructed. Yeah, it it kind of reminded me of um, like a an angry um, Mike Birbiglia, I guess, because he's such a wonderful storyteller. He's a stand-up comic. Um, if people haven't seen it, you should definitely watch My Girlfriend's Boyfriend on Netflix. It's my favourite stand-up show of all time. Um, but, yeah, like, it, yeah, it is perfectly well-constructed. I mean, the way that we begin with those, like, stupid jokes, we have, like, the organ player off screen, yeah, like, yeah. making little noises... Um, we have him, you know, doing things like speaking to his mum, being like, you know, cough if you're proud of me or knock if you're proud of me or whatever. And it's just like, it's so morbid. It's yeah. so dark. And then we just see him kind of devolve into this very angry, very vulnerable and distraught man who is just like, is lost and it's heartbreaking and it's palpable. It's, it's a great episode. That that moment, that realization of the I ICU. See you. Oh, oh, yeah, and beautiful. And I wonder. And I didn't see it coming, which I really appreciated. I didn't see it coming either. Yeah. And I was like, "How has no one else used this before? Mm. Like, is this 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 can't be an original thought? That's too amazing." <laughs> Like just to 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 draw those things together mm. reminds me of this is so dumb. It reminds me of <laughs> this is really dummy. Dumb. But there's a thing in Doctor Who where uh, spoilers of Doctor Who, the fifty years of it. There's <laughs> someone. There's a comparison made to the TARDIS in that right, and to the wedding ve- things of like something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new. Yeah. Right? And it was like wet like. When you make that connection and be yeah. the first person to make that connection, you must yeah. think I'm a fucking genius, yeah. <laughs> right? And that was always how I felt about that mm. stupid moment in Doctor Who. But this is one of those. It's like whoever made that connection of ICU, mm. and maybe they weren't the first person, but to, it was the first time to me. I was like, that's fucking. That's you great. just hacked. You just hacked the universe, and well done to you, sir. Yeah. Or mm. madam, I don't know. Mm. Um, let's move on. Is no, there anything else? Yeah, about yeah. That? Sorry, go on. Um, so one thing that like really struck me and it, it goes beyond the actual eulogy episode, but when Bojack, you know, he's, he's saying that his mother taught him that he can't rely on anyone mm. ever. And that's, you know, that's one of the best things that he learned from her, <clears throat> you know, fucking awful. So he learned that. And then he also learned that, Everything is his fault. And what I loved about this season is his relationship with Diane in that what she gives him is that, yes, you know, a lot of things are his fault from what we have seen and what she's experienced. 
but that that doesn't mean he isn't deserving of love and that when someone loves you, they expect you to do better, but they don't degrade or diminish you in order to achieve that. And yeah, Diane certainly has moments of lashing out at her toxic friend, but I think ultimately she proved something to Bojack that he had been taught his entire childhood and his almost his entire life was a myth, which is that he can, you know, and she taught him that he can do the worst, the worst thing, but someone who loves him will still acknowledge him and want him to do better and not for them, but for himself. And so like to see, all of that pain that he had experienced and the confusion and the distress that his mom and his dad had placed on him mm. since he was a tiny, tiny child to then, and I know I'm fast forwarding and I know we'll delve into it much more, <laughs> but then to be at the end and he has done the worst thing mm. and he, you know, very much has demonstrated that he isn't worthy of love mm. to himself and to, you know, a lot of people and for Diane to be there and just be like, well, I love you and you deserve to feel that and to get better. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. It's fucking great, this show. Oh, God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's friendship, folks. There you it, go. It, um, I don't know. It just well examined this entire thing. Is it, it one of the things that impressed me as well? And it was almost like, was how do you how do you fluke this? And we, I've thought before this show is like has someone's a fucking seer on this show because mm. they seem to be able to not get ahead. Not the singer, of, not the singer, okay. but they seem to be able to get ahead of the news almost, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And somehow they have launched this show a couple of weeks after Louis C.K. has made his way back into, mm. you know, has once has already apparently been forgiven enough to be back on the comedy circuit, right? And mm. trying out new material and stuff like this. And we didn't talk about that actually because I just didn't want to give the guy any more attention. Yeah. But the, um, this, when you're talking about like you can do the worst thing, right? Mm-hmm. And still you are deserving a love or whatever. Well, there was also the question of, well, how do you come back from doing the worst thing? Can you come back? Should you come back after mm-hmm. doing the worst thing? And one of my favorite episodes this season was, um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's just Bojack the Male Feminist or Bojack the Feminist. Yeah. Is the a male abuser too easily forgiven episode, as I mm-hmm. call it mm-hmm. in my notes. And that that there's the conversation between Diane and uh, Bojack's ex-publicist, whose name I can't remember. Anna Spanakopita. Thank you very much. About And she's like, well, what would you have him do? How could he, you know, redeem himself? She's like, honestly, I don't think he can. Mm. But that's was interesting as well because while that is possibly true, maybe you cannot redeem yourself and you cannot come back from that, he still finds a way. Because mm. like it or not, the system just keeps letting these people back in, these mm-hmm. white men in particular, back into these positions. And so, one of my favorite messages of the entire season was just the idea, and I've got it quoted here, nobody is going to hold you accountable. You need to take responsibility for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's one. I fucking love that line. Me too. A lot, a lot in that. And when Diane said that, it was Diane, right, said that? Diane said yes. Fucking hit me hard. I'm like, yes, absolutely. It's not up to her or other women or media outlets to do that for you, to to 
punish you in that way so that you can feel bad about yourself and then you can kind of like scramble up to like redeem yourself. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. It's about you looking at your own fucking behavior. It's about the forgivies. Sorry. The forgive- exactly. It's about looking at your own fucking behavior, realizing why it's so damaging, why it's unacceptable to yourself, why you don't want to be that person and then fucking doing the work yourself mm-hmm. to do better. Yeah. And then it goes back to that that quote I said in my spoiler-free review that Diane says is that it's it's not about deep down. It's absolutely not about that. It's what you do every day yeah. that counts. And so, yeah, when Diane said that, I was like, fucking oath, absolutely. And I was going to make up, sorry, bring up another point, but I can't remember it now because there's just so many good things in this show to talk about. There really is. Like you start, that's the thing that's pretty, it was really impressive about the show though, is that for all of these specific points or mm. ideas or notions or lines that you bring up. Mm. There's a million little connections to other yeah. things the show is saying that are firing mm-hmm. at the same time. So I'm trying to like listening to you then I'm trying to like, okay, so where should we take this conversation yeah. next? And my brain is like, well, there's a million places I can take this yeah. right now because there yeah. is just so much stuff going on. We could, like I wanted to go back to just to talking about the fact that the Penny stuff from season three, yeah. start of season three, where the journalist got the tape recording of him admitting to what happened there. I was never sure Is what that the beginning of season four? Season four. Three. Three. It, it, doesn't it happen in season three and then he talks about it in season no, four? No, he does at the end of season two and then season three he starts talking about to the journalist because that's oh, the shit. season. Because yeah. okay. he doesn't do anything in season four. It's his like, I'm just yeah. chill. You know, We've doing... been through so much. Yeah. Yes, we have. <laughs> um, so it's at the start of that and he's mm-hmm. got okay. Anna is there or mm-hmm. she hears through the yeah. wall and then takes the tape. Mm. Um, well, we never knew what happened to that journalist or what happened to that tape, but it was taken care of. And so... It was that sort of smoking gun, or not smoking gun, Chekhov's gun, when's this going to come back? Yeah, yeah. And was never really sure how it was going to be, and it was pretty fucking crazy when that tape started playing in that car and Diane was listening to it. I was like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen next? And then when Diane wrote it into the script, Mm -hmm. oh, God. Mm -hmm. Um, Just great drama, (laughs) great tension, great way of incorporating that into the story in a really creative and not obvious way. I mean... Okay, there's two places I want to take this conversation. Yes, please. Is one, Diane grappling with the idea of adding something to the culture that is part of the problem with Philbert. Should I write that down so we can come back to it? Yes, please. Good. And the other thing was the incredible conversation, argument really, that they have at the premiere. Yep. Where he is like, you know... The, the greatest victim in all this is me. And she lists off all the people, mm-hmm. mostly all the women mm-hmm. that have been fucking damaged or affected. I shouldn't say damaged. I should say affected by his actions. Like Sarah Lynn fucking died. Yes. Because he was so goddamn selfish that he took this young woman. He was her only father figure. She was fucking sober. Mm -hmm. She was an addict. And because he was feeling bad about himself, he brought her into his shit and she fucking died. Mm. And he just like... And as she said, and she's like, you just went on. You went and made a TV show. You're still here. Fuck you. That like, that hit me so goddamn hard. I was like, God, yeah, that like, it needed to be said because I think sometimes in a show like this, which I think is the point, is that you forget and you need someone like Diane to be like, wait, like you can't keep going 
you can't forget that these awful things happened, things that you, you know, made happen. Like we need to pause and actually deal with that shit. Mm. Oh, so, so good. That argument was incredible. Yeah. Beautifully written and greatly performed by just like, Mm. it it felt like this build up to this moment. It was just a Mm -hmm. perfect little explosion. But what's so impressive to me is that it would be so, again, this is why I'm not a writer. It would be so tempting to just make this thing, this this scandal essentially mm. around Bojack, a um, uh, make explode into like the into his whole world. But they just keep it between him and Diane. Mm. It's so impressive to me mm-hmm. that you just go, well, no, this is the most important relationship here. We want these two to deal with this together mm-hmm. and just perfect. There was another thing you want to talk about. You want to talk about Diane adding to the culture. So, obviously, Diane is a staunch feminist with really strong ideals. Um, and we've seen her, you know, work at Girl Crush. Is that the name? I believe Stuart that's name? right, yeah. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Um, I particularly love when her boss was, like, riding the bike. And she's, like, talking about, like, an interactive, like, spin class. She's like, oh, no, I'm just riding a bike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is very good. I really like that character. Um, Played by Soso from uh, Orange is the New Black. <gasps> Connect. Oh, fuck, that blew my mind. Yeah. I love her. It, it took me a while to figure that. So I was like, oh, awesome. So, so, that's good. I'm glad she's got work because she's awesome. Um, what happened to So, so? I forgot. She was husband. just transferred, I believe. Oh, she's in one of the other prisons. Yeah. Oh, God, that makes sense. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Who cares? No one cares about Orange is <laughs> no, the New Black No anymore. one's watching that show anymore. <laughs> it's got one season left. It's nearly done. Um, yeah. So, she's yeah, she's got these really strong ideals and she's writing a show about this toxic man who treats women terribly. He's like, he's just you know, all about toxic masculinity and she's a part of that. She's part of adding to that. Um, And we've seen her in the past. Like this is just kind of like a culmination of a lot of things. So Diane's kind of living her dream of being like, you know, a TV writer, writing every day, being creative, having that opportunity, making her own money. Um, And then she also finds out that her closest friend is – like she knows he's fucked up, but that level of toxicity mm. to find that out, she has to ask herself like, well, what do you do when one, someone you love does awful things that oppose your ideals and also to have an income and creative fulfillment also means you kind of have to compromise those ideals as well. And, you know, we already know that with her relationship with Mr. Peanut Butter that she will put someone she loves on blast in the media because they oppose what she believes. I think it was certainly easier for her to make Mr. Peanut Butter a political adversary in front of everyone. One, because like he didn't really believe those things. And also I think she knew that he was strong enough to handle that kind of situation. Um, But I, yeah, I think it confirms her deepest fears, one about Bojack, that he perhaps really isn't a good guy, and two, that the systems in place are so pervasive and so big and so strong that not even not not even that she can't even fight it, but that she can't help but be a part of it, mm-hmm. which is huge. And that's a big thing to grapple with. I was going to ask sort of just a side notion of that how do you feel about princess carolyn's involvement in sort of that as well like her character um 
she is actively, she's the one when they are talking about, I can't remember the character's name, but sort of the Mel Gibson sort of like stand in mm. that we have in the, in the yeah. famous episode. And they're like, uh, the guy who writes Filbert. Um, Flip. Flip says, we need, we need someone who can, you know, who's the right sort of image for this role. And it's PC who says, I know who'd be perfect for it. Cut to the opening mm. credits. And she's like actively involved in like bringing back these horrible men mm-hmm. and helping to like them redeem their image. How do you feel about her participation? That Because she eventually turns around and is like, no, fuck him. But only when she gets burnt herself. Well, I think that's a big part of, I guess we're calling her PC now. Sorry, they do call her PC uh, yeah, sometimes. I know, I know. I've thing, just never heard just you like say it before. Princess Carolyn, like every time he's going to it's like five Do we call Mr. Peanut Butter MP? Miss, well, no, I call him PB. Miss MPB? MPB. <laughs> okay. And BJ, um, H and... <laughs> DN. <laughs> and what's... Oh, Top. TC. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we worked that all out. You're welcome, <laughs> listeners. Um, <laughs> this is what you come to this show for. Content like that. Deep diving. Um, kind of, oh, yeah. No, I think like it's repulsive and awful, but I certainly think it's in line with PC's uh, characters that... All that matters to her is success. Present thoughts and prayers. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. It's all about success yeah. or doing what she thinks is right in order to achieve things in the way that she thinks is the best way to achieve them. And I think we saw that with her relationship with what was his name? Stilton? Yes. Like instead of just being Ralph? like Ralph. Ralph. Instead of just being like, oh, you're right, honey, maybe we should try alternatives. She's like, no, 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 this is what I need to do to succeed. And that means I'm going to have my own kid fuck you for even suggesting that I adopt. Like she just like believes what she believes so that she can achieve or succeed no matter what. Way off topic. Mm-hmm. We're so much more to talk about the Diane and Bojack stuff. But while we're here with PC, because we've talked, we've talked about Ralph now, mm. there is one episode where Ralph comes back. Yeah, he does. And it's an interesting episode where she has sort of changed course from what mm. after the art, like they had an argument essentially where he was trying to be rational and be like, honey. Well, that was the question. The If you're on PC, PC side here, she is making the argument that, um, that she doesn't need him or that he was wrong essentially like or that mm. he was belittling or wasn't listening to her at the time. And mm. Do you think he was rational? Do you think he was in the right? Do you think it's more complex than in that? In the past or in that episode? In that episode, in this new one where he comes yeah. back and he's sort of saying, you know, well, that's sort of what I was saying. Maybe we should try this again. And she's like, no, I don't want you around. Mm. Even though it was about an argument that now seems to have resolved itself, yeah. I don't know. How do you? How do you feel? About, I thought it was a really, really interesting, complex, hard to. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that because yeah. I think because she has moved on, she's m- making her own life happen. Mm. I guess. Um, but, I mean, but he was I, shitty. He didn't prepare her for his horrible racist family, but that's <laughs> yes. Beside the point. Yeah, no, yeah. not really. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Cause I think it's it's sad how she, I think, can limit herself. Mm. Um, but I also think it like wasn't the time for him yeah. to ask that. It, yeah. yeah, it wasn't really the time for him to be there. It's like, I don't know, maybe let's just hang out for a bit while I like have a new baby to deal with. Doesn't mean you're the papa. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it was... 
he was encroaching on something that she had worked hard for. Yes. And that wasn't his space to do that. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, did we like what he did with, with Princess Carolyn this season? Just in general? I quite enjoyed the episode where she sort of returned to her hometown. She goes home. We... I mean, I always like what they do with Princess Caroline. Mm. Carolyn, sorry. Fuck. Uh, PC, PC. PC, sure. PC. Um, Can't get that wrong. I'm, yeah, I think she's really interesting and... She does awful things, but I can't seem to hate her because she's so full of sadness. Yeah. And but I think a reckoning is coming. Mm. I think for her. What yeah. what awful things specifically are you talking about? Like we talked about her sort of she's just playing the game inside her yeah, career. Yeah, I I think her obviously she wasn't entirely focused on her career mm-hmm. this season. And her counselling of first Bojack mm-hmm. and then suggesting that he just be given medication so that they can finish filming, mm. I think is deplorable. That leads to him doing something fucking awful and then having to go to rehab. Yeah. But then again, I mean, she was fully on board to kind of yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because she tries to pr- protect Bojack from seeing his own um, depravity, his own violent behaviour. Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see how she deals with that next season because mm. I don't really know what's going to happen. And she was a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, speaking of that very violent act that was a whole new level of dark for this show and i thought we'd reached Mm. dark Mm -hmm. like there was some like spooky creepy sort of like weird uh, alzheimer dementia Mm. sort of flashbacks last season that i thought were quite upsetting upsetting. the season before that we had the sarah lynn stuff Mm -hmm. getting to a point where bojack is so disconnected from reality that he's choking a woman Mm mm-hmm was a real next level of like, oh, okay, we can go there. Perfectly dark. foreshadowed by the feminist episode, by the way. Perfectly. Where yeah. he's, where he's I, like, I choking re- women is bad. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that you're only, amazing. That hit me yesterday. I was re-watching yeah. the episode and was like, oh, fuck, they really yeah. did set this up, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just a whole new level of intensity there. Um, and pretty incredible the show can get away with it and mm. still be funny at the same time. Yeah, like, I, I mean, watching that, I was really upset by it and then watching everyone kind of stand by as it happened, not really realising how bad it was. Mm. And then finally like Mr. Peanut Butter and someone else like jumping in and be like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, it was full on and upsetting. Um, And then... Only made darker by that conversation they have next episode where they're... Both just pretending, oh, it was, mm. you know, we were just acting. We're yeah. just, you know, oh, fuck But even before, I agree. And yeah, but even before that, when he just kind of like goes to work or whatever the next day or he goes to PC's office or something um, and she, they're talking about it uh, in a kind of roundabout way because he doesn't remember what yeah. happened. And then when he sees it and is rightly devastated like really hit me quite hard being because that like you know that's the point where you'd go oh fuck i have a problem i have a real problem and i'm completely out of control 
and I can't hide it by marking a line on my vodka bottle and pretending like I'm in control because yeah. he's clearly not. Mm. Um, while we're talking about control then, Hollyhock comes back for, she has a phone call I think in episode one mm-hmm. and then she's back for one episode, mm. which is very much the Bojack has a pills problem yeah. episode. Um, we talked about this, whether she was going to have a continued sort of presence this season or not. How do you find her inclusion I thought it was good. Like one episode made sense to me. Bring her back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he mm-hmm. sort of has found a connection mm. with someone, uh, with a woman in particular, in a way that he's never really had before in his mm-hmm. life, and he longs to con- keep that around. Yeah, I think it, it's. Yeah, it's interesting to see him have a protective mm. energy with someone. But also you see the limitation of that with him being an addict. Mm-hmm. And so while he does feel that, you know, addiction will always win <laughs> no matter what, like, you know, when you're in it. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty, that was, you know, the beginning where we see his decline and it, that's there the points where it stopped being funny because because Hollyhock, as we spoke about last season, is that kind of straight character almost out of place in the world because mm. of how naive or innocent innocent, she is yeah and so having her see bojack grappling with just with that need Mm. that like fiery need that just doesn't go away you know makes it really visible to the viewer being like oh no and it's not actually funny and then we go into that next episode where like it really gets fucking dark Mm. i think it was like the the, a really smart progression Mm -hmm. and a really smart Really smart to reintroduce that character in that episode. Mm. I thought so as well. Um, one of the other things, again, my my brain is all over the place. There's just so many <laughs> yeah, me too. Here. But the uh, thing I was talking about in the spoiler-free review was, and one of the, my favorite things I did this season was discuss BoJack Horseman as a anti-hero mm-hmm. sort of character. Yeah. And how those characters have somehow become icons or what's the word you used before? Uh, idolized. Idolized. Thank yep, you. They idolize them. Yeah. The correct word I was meant to be saying. <laughs> how they've been idolized in mm-hmm. characters like Rick Sanchez or Walter White mm-hmm. or, you know, on and on it goes. And Who's uh, Rick Sanchez? Uh, Rick from Rick and Morty. Oh, thank you. And like those characters have somehow become like beacon, like. Um, yeah, have idolized his characters, men apparently mm. replicate their behavior and yeah. feel like this is... Yeah. Um, yeah, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're allowed to treat people however you want. Yeah, yeah. that this justifies their bad behavior, mm-hmm. right? And to... Because one of the problems we talked about with Breaking Bad was that we wondered whether the show went far enough to say, no, Walter White is a bad person Mm -hmm. because he's the central character in that show. And because there is a certain righteousness to what he's trying to do, at least at the beginning, it seemed like he was someone you could root for. Now, that changes over the course of the show, but we always wondered, well, did that message get across well enough? I love that this show is saying firmly, you're not meant to like Mm-hmm. Or want to be like Bojack Horseman. No. He is not a likable or a sort of person you should be replicating mm. in any way, shape or form. And to think otherwise is to miss the fucking point entirely. Mm-hmm. And they do that with Philbert as well. Yeah. Um, explain why it's problematic. But I love that they just... 
Don't yeah, I I think like with shows like, you know, Californication yeah. and stuff, like they make it seem as though mental illness or narcissism mm-hmm. are, yeah, they're cool things to have. Yeah. Um, and even though, you know, the, the antihero or the protagonist, you know, talks about suffering and, you know, it sucks to be him – Ultimately, you know, they get to fuck a billion women and they live in these glamorous houses and everything's like, you know, it's okay because they're having a bit of a laugh and they're a bit of a larrikin or whatever. I can't, I like that this show is just like, just heaps on the damage, mm. just heaps on it going like he's miserable and genuinely miserable. It's It doesn't stop. It doesn't get better because he doesn't do the things that he needs to do to get better. It's just a fucking wormhole of sadness and shit. And I think that's really good. I think, like, that should be explored. But, uh, like, I... Yes, exactly right. The heaping on the misery and doing all that is great. But even just to out... Like, it outright says... Mm. I Just to state it clearly. So, I don't know if anyone has yet. I don't know if... That's really been not from particularly what examined, I can remember. Especially yeah. not inside a show like no. that. It hasn't happened in... Like, Rick and Morty is doing it, mm-hmm. but it's not on a level... It's not so uh, on the surface. No, and I think that- people really genuinely do idolise Rick. And they do. And how fucking terrible he is. Totally. And I, is it the responsibility of the creators to make that clearer? Or I mean, it depends should what we they expect say. more of the audience? I, that's the thing. I, I can't assume that that's what they think about yeah. who Rick is or how he should be portrayed. And it's helpful that this works inside the world of Hollywood and like, you mm. know, of television so you can just outright say it but I, I appreciate that yeah um a couple other things with diane the storyline we haven't got to diane yet is that oh she's divorced from mr peanut butter yeah she is um so she's not in episode one really except for the very mm. end where he picks her up from the airport and episode two is a diane sort of scented episode it is. it's all about her post divorce from Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, she travels to Vietnam mm-hmm. and is doing a little travel blog and mm-hmm. that's how they structure um, this episode. How did you feel about Diane going to Vietnam? One, I really like the structure of that episode. Mm-hmm, that was fun. Because that's the shit I have to write every day. <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate that? Yeah, I did. Because like, you do get to a point where you just start going down a wormhole being like, 10 ways to not want to kill yourself. You know, like it just like it gets... <laughs> Dark after you've you done your seventeenth top ten. If yeah, number yeah. three and number seven are yeah. the same thing. Like how many life hacks can someone like me possibly know? I barely get out of bed every day. <laughs> um <laughs> so I appreciated that. Uh also I was reading some articles here and there about and I've forgotten his name because I'm a dickhead. Um, the creator talking about uh regrets around casting a white woman. I read this as well, it was really interesting. Yeah. Who was playing a a woman of Vietnamese heritage, <clears throat> I know it was, came from a place of ignorance mm-hmm. um, and how he's, you know, he's doing, he's trying to do better and he's trying to acknowledge where he went wrong, Yeah, um, which, you know, I think is, you know, I appreciate that. that he is, definitely owns that. Yeah. I think he said outright that it's like, if this show, if I was recasting this show from the beginning again. Yeah, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't have Alison <coughs> Brie doing it. No, and that's not to say Alison Brie doesn't do a good job or anything. It's got like nothing that. to do with that. Nothing yeah, to do yeah. with that. So yeah, so that's why they try really hard to do like colorblind casting now with voices. Yeah, um, which which is great. Um, yeah, I I thought it was 
I mean, I loved spending that time with Diane mm. in a different space. It was heartbreaking <laughs> to see because obviously she wasn't happy with Mr. Peanut Butter. We all saw that mm-hmm. over the last four seasons. But that, but it's still hard. Um, and just trying to find, like, just try to redefine yourself after a relationship defining you for so long. Yeah, I thought it was a really smart choice to make one, make that the second episode. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what's happening. And the structure of it to see how she got to that point where she's, you know, hysterically crying and. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. What that, about you? That moment at the party where she talks about how he's got her his hand on yeah. uh, Pickles, Pickles' back yeah. was so well articulated mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and illustrated. Yeah, no, I really liked this episode as well. I thought, I thought it was really good. I did, have, I did wonder what the reaction was going to be from a cultural standpoint mm-hmm. because Alison Brie is doing the voice and to go to Vietnam and so forth with mm-hmm. it. But, like, one of the things they do, and it's sort of inbuilt into a character, is that while she's a Vietnamese heritage, she has no real connection to no. that, which is probably a smart way to play the character, I think, at this I point. I think so, absolutely. Um, I think it was it was To do otherwise, to yeah, do would be really inappropriate. So, probably, if you're in this situation, mm-hmm. best thing you do is just, like, let's just draw a line. And she's a tourist in this country as much as anybody else. And, mm-hmm. like, there might be criticisms there. Somewhere for that, but I think that's the smartest route. Oh, yeah, route. I'm, I'm open to different perspectives yeah. on that. Yeah. I think that's the, the smartest route. Something I wanted to say earlier just about the Diane stuff as well. Um, I, I sort of explained that she got a little bit Britted this season in the sense that she reminded me of Britta in Community, who's sort of like this idyllic feminist, mm-hmm. but is kind of a real goof about it as well and is stuck... I don't know. I, I, I liked some of her moments when she's like writing her articles or mm. talking about feminism and just but sort of finding the goofy side yeah. to someone who's so motivated by that as well. I really, really liked what they did with her in this season. It reminded me a lot of... Yeah. I, that's the thing that is like the limitations of that while so actively participating yes. in the culture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There is, there is most certainly humor in that. I mean, I, you know, am a staunch feminist and I wrote an article the other day about getting the perfect summer body and I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> You, wow. Yeah. Fucked, right? I don't I believe that. No. I think that's bullshit. But yeah, I've got to pay my rent. <laughs> that's some, you just got to do it sometimes, unfortunately. Um. Well, is there anything else about Diane? I think we've talked about Diane a bit. What about Mr. Peanut Butter and his mm. story this season? I always want more of Mr. Peanut Butter. I, yeah. I find I- him so wonderful in in many ways. And I love Paul F. Tompkins. So, 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 so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what I loved about what they did with Mr. Peanut Butter this season is that while I wish Pickles was more of a character, I do love her as a device in, w- in what we get to explore about Mr. Peanut yes, Butter. Yeah. Which is that, yes, he is kind of this childlike, joyful, high-energy person mm-hmm. – um, but that's because he is incredibly immature <laughs> and st- emotionally stunted. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we get to understand that, well, that is why he is like this lovable guy, has been divorced so many times. It starts to make sense. And he even acknowledges, like, well, actually, all my partners, all my wives get bored of me. Mm-hmm. Bec- and as Diane says, because they grow beyond you. Yeah. I think that's that made me go, oh. That's a really cool hook. Yeah. And I think we'll hopefully get to explore more of that next season. 
But yeah. I love that we've taken that step. So while well, uh, that, that Halloween party episode, mm. just again, a perfect illustration of that idea mm-hmm. um, and how, yeah, how to get to those that revelation. Uh, yeah, really great. I agree. I feel like Mr. Peanut Butter has depth to explore yes. that we haven't got to yet. Mm-hmm. And I kind of almost want, like, I felt like last season, season four was very BoJack-centric mm-hmm. and there was a lot of attention paid to... Princess Carolyn, she sort of had a lot going on in her mm. world. And then everybody else sort of got short shrift. This season, Diane got paired up with Bojax. There's a lot of attention mm. on him. And yeah, there was a lot of Princess Carolyn stuff, but maybe not as fully, I don't know, not not as many twists and turns to her story this season. No, we got a lot a of broader. that last season with like the, the relationship, baby troubles. Yeah, yeah. I would love to think we could somehow either pair Bojack up with Mr. Peanut Butter and someone, I don't know, but find a way to get a little bit deeper in with mm-hmm. Mr. Peanut Butter because I think there's, I think it's just waiting to be unsurfaced, mm. um, basically. Or maybe even just like a different type of friendship with Diane to explore who he is. This Mr. is Peanut a, Butter and Diane. Yeah, this is yeah, a woman possibly. that, you know, they love each other, but he doesn't have to be the happy husband all the time or the happy mm. boyfriend and maybe they can dive into actually why their relationship fell apart. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'd be really, really keen for that as well. Uh, Princess Caroline, I think we've talked a lot about her already. I don't think there was much I wanted to add about that. I'm excited for her to be a mum next season. You know, she was already struggling to keep on top of her sort of responsibilities as a, as a manager. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> How is a manager different to an agent? Um, okay, let's get to the big one, the big one. The controversial one, Todd. Yeah. Uh, least favorite character. Did you think they improved on him at all in season five? Do you like Todd yet? I don't like Todd yet, but I think this is a much better space to have Todd in, mm-hmm. I think. I think it allows him his hijinks, which I guess people like, um, and it you know it can directly involve others with him being the boss. Um, I also think it's probably a good idea to have him living with Princess Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Um, And look, if he turned out to be a cute uncle to our kid, would not be opposed to it. Um, You know, giving him something to care about, something to bond, someone to bond with, Mm -hmm. I think would be nice. But yeah, I'm still waiting to care. Um, But maybe I just have to accept that Todd just, it's never going to happen for me. I don't know. I wonder if it's even, sometimes I've wondered if it's down to a performance level. Like I don't even necessarily think I necessarily like Aaron Paul's performance. I don't even like the the design of the character. Yeah. Like there's something there that just to me. I just like stupid yelling all the time. Yeah. 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 The way he sort of like interacts with the world. I just find it, I don't know, just doesn't capture my Mm. attention at all. That being said. I do think this is his best season. Yeah, yeah, no, by I a long way, with some highlights in there. The they seem to be a bit aware that maybe not everyone likes Todd's hijinks, mm. so they make sort of note of like there's a bit where in episode two where uh, Mr. Peanutbutter's on the phone to Diane, he's telling the second half of a Todd story. He's like, oh, this is turning into a Todd story, mm. and then. Later on in the episode, we flash back to the lead up to the Todd story where Todd is like going, oh, I hope this doesn't happen in case my tongue gets stuck to the ice swan or whatever. Mm. And we never see the Todd story in the middle. They just sort of note that that happened, but, you know, we shouldn't dwell on this thing, right? And I don't know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of like 
awareness about that maybe that's tiring that gag now and I like I appreciate that from the writers but the ones I like it seems strange to be aware of it but not really do much to change it but I didn't well I personally thought that there was sort of and correct me if I'm wrong here there's sort of two of them in this season there's a specific episode where Todd meets Yolanda's parents and they don't know that she and he are asexual Mm. and I thought that was a really good episode in terms of it being a wacky situation but it didn't revolve around Todd being dumb does that make sense so much Mm -hmm. it revolved around it being a like a reversal on a trope right Mm -hmm. and then Playing with that to take it to the nth degree and make yeah, it Yeah, it felt funny. like a regular sitcom or whatever, yeah. And it also got to a point where, like, Todd came to a realisation about him and Yolanda. So, there was even growth for him in terms of trying to figure out, you know, his own sexuality or mm. what that means for him in terms of having a relationship with somebody. So, I really thought, like, that's about as good a Todd episode as, I, as I've seen. Mm-hmm. In terms of the rest of his stuff where he's the boss of whattimeisit.com, whatever it is, <laughs> the, the Henry Fondle stuff... So, there was an interesting idea behind that, right? In terms of, like, he wants to be with Emily, but he is not interested in her sexually. So, what? how can they make this work? They can sort of have the cool parts of the relationship and this robot can do the rest. <laughs> and, like, that worked for me on a Todd level. And then what was even great about it was last season, I hated the zombie clowns thing. The zombie dentist yeah, clowns thing. That was awful. Whoever thought dentist clowns was a gag that you could stretch out over multiple episodes was wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Flat wrong. However, Henry Fondle working his way up the corporate ladder (laughs) and saying all these awful things Mm. and then when he finally says something that's not sexual and that being turned in, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Right. Topped off by Todd saying, uh, I think they asked him if he was like uh, sexually abusing. Oh, no, no, no. He said he was a a sex robot. It's like, are you commenting on like his character or whatever? He's like, no, he's just... He's a sex robot. Like, <laughs> I just don't know. I just really mm. liked. I thought that was quite well done, personally. Yeah, I think maybe I'm just I'm just super biased <laughs> against it because I just like I just don't have any time. For, I think I've just been. Yeah, I don't care. I like I. Yeah, I think I've sh- literally shut down when it comes to Todd storylines. Right. Yeah, Henry Fondle made me love. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Maybe like on a rewatch, I'll enjoy it more. But I think. At this point, I'm so, 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 so invested in everything else that I, yeah, it's a, it's still a struggle for me. Yeah. He, oh, still my least favorite part of the show by, mm. by a fair margin. But I was, yeah, definitely a step in the right direction, I thought. But yeah, it does like, if we lost Todd. I wouldn't notice. Oh, no, I'd be giving it a five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one last little note before we move on to side notes. Mm-hmm. Character actress Margot Martindale is back, apparently. Yes, she is. We asked this question last week. It's like, what happened to her? And it's just it's just in a cold open. They're like, yeah. they reintroduce her, but that's it. We don't see her as again for the season. As soon as it started, I was like, that's fucking Margot Martindale. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> it's just that giant horse, Bojack. Mm, very good, very good. <laughs> Okay, let's get to final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Uh, I've just got a couple of quotes and maybe giggle. Yep. Um, it was one from Diane's episode where she goes to Vietnam and she comes across those American tourists and they're speaking to her in like half English, <laughs> very insultingly. And... 
Her response is just to go, me, I'm also America. <laughs> it should make me laugh quite a lot. And then my favorite Mr. Peanut Butter, you know how his Mr. Peanut Butter isms that he does? Um, it was, him, pickles were going back and forth. And my favorite one was like, as Courtney Cox said when she discovered a rotting corpse in the woods on the Cougar Town set, good God, I hope you're not busy. That one, I had to pause <laughs> it <too>. and laugh. <laughs> and then I had to get Steph, and my girlfriend, in because it's like, Steph, Steph, this joke's for you. And then I was like. <laughs> and I just love the like pickles. was like, what? He's like, it's a thicker. You'll get it later. <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh a whole lot. That, that's my favorite ever, Mr. Pennell. Yeah, that's very big, good. That was great. Uh, yeah, a couple of quotes as well. You can't just drop in and play Joss Whedon. Everybody cheers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's someone who likes Joss Whedon. Yeah. Way, so. um, that's a solid disc coming from a gas. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. And um, I'm about as deep in contractions as an apostrophe. I thought they were all great. <laughs> I must have missed that one. That That's was, in, very that was good. with uh, the woman who was giving birth. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that, that was great. Um, just a, a couple of other little things as well. Mm. Little detail that I liked. We haven't talked about Gina at all, by the way. The woman that uh, oh, Project quote Project chokes. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about? Her? I thought she was. She's kind of similar to um, the owl. I can't remember her name. Yeah, but no, I was more that. We were saying there was somebody else who was saying like they were just oh like pickles is oh, sort a of device is more, more of a device and Gina really is that as well unfortunately she's not a fully I mean she's got some interesting uh, yeah, ideas about um, her but I think they kind of I think they do, certainly do a much much better job with Gina um, and I think they tried to do the work to make her more of a character because I think that is important mm-hmm. you know we get her wonderfully vulnerable moment where she wants to be a singer. I was actually going to bring that up specifically. Yeah. I just like that her singing was bad, but it wasn't like trying to be comically horrible. No, it was just... It yeah. was just not... Normal person that sucks that you can't sing bad. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I'm, I'm... So I appreciate that. And I also think just the... What she says to Bojack is really important. Is that, you know... I don't want you to be the most important thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the thing that people remember. Yeah. Um, you know, taking back her own power. And while that means that a guy who is harmful and damaging and toxic is still allowed to go out there and do those things if he wanted to, um, you know, that is a way for her to take back her power. And it's important for people to remember that when criticising others for not coming forward or for doing what they need to do in order to uh, survive in their careers. That was incredibly well set up. Mm-hmm. To have her be this woman who's just been going from like pilot or one season mm-hmm. show to one yeah. season show to one season show. Has and we, not have been her, able to make... we see her have her success. You know, I feel like we did go on a journey with Gina. I, I, I kind She's not of... a main character, but it... as a side character, I think they did a pretty good job. They never. F- the thing is, it's never. Fo- there's never a scene where Gina is... On her own, right? There's never mm. a Gina-centric scene. Yeah, that's true. However, we do see mm. her story and we understand her place. Mm-hmm. And so while she still is more of an idea or a scenario that they're trying to incorporate into what Bojack is doing mm-hmm. or the effect he's mm-hmm. having, it is very is pretty well illustrated in that sense. Yes. I still wouldn't say she's much of a character, but but it's yeah, they they complete that what her character is there for is is well done, I think. Mm. Um, and just a couple other little things that because it's how my brain works. 
Mr. Peanut Butter can't have fixed that paparazzi bird's TMJ. Birds don't have TMJs. What's a TMJ? A transfer, a, a temporal mandibular joint. <laughs> it's just not something that birds have. Okay. <laughs> but also, I don't think birds can have cross-eyed can be crossed-eyed either. So when he fixes him, he fixes his cross eyes. Birds' eyes are on the opposite sides of their heads, away oh, from yeah. each other. And that, at which point I started to go, Brods, don't think about it too much. I think they've <laughs> deliberately chosen things that can't actually physically happen. Oh, I read shit. something in like I think it was in like a comments of I oh know some recap I was reading, and someone was like. Oh, I wonder if Princess Caroline has trouble having kids because flat-nosed cats actually have trouble having children, like oh. having breeding, I guess, is what you is say that right? Maybe. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, go on. Go I on. do I do think that sometimes they've thought way ahead on why they've chosen these animals. Well, also, I also found out that, like, all the colouring of, like, Everyone in Bojack's family, all the horses, yeah. is genetically on point. So no, like, it is. It was something I have, was tracking last yeah, season. Yeah, if you have like two of that, then then you'd get this. And I, so I read that in a comment. I was like, oh my god, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it, and I was wondering because all the time I was like, which gives validity, I think, to the Princess Carolyn theory. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm. Uh, okay, least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode? My least favorite was uh, episode. Th- Three, I believe it was the Todd episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I, Who could have guessed? I know, shocker. I certainly found it funny, um, mm-hmm. and I appreciate how Bojack Horseman once again treats asexuality with quite a lot of respect. But yeah, I don't super care about the three relationships highlighted in that episode. Um, obviously, I just stated about my apathy towards Todd. Um, and you know, we just spoke about Gina's desire to sing was both funny and sad, but Mm. at that point I didn't really know her very well. Um, and then we have Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles, which are very cute. And, you know, they try and be like, oh, let's not go on a date, that whole thing. Um, and like I said earlier, like I appreciate what that relationship does to highlight Mr. Peanut Butter's faults, but I just wasn't very invested at that stage. Is it the one that they go on the date? Yeah, to the media shower. And then they put on the podcast and it's Diane. Diane. Oh, my God. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, cool. That's a good choice. I I obviously like the Todd st- I'm, I think I'm rewarding that Todd thing because I think you make a good point. The Gina mm. stuff in there, like the whole singing thing, was cute, but it didn't capture mm. my imagination so much. Or the stuff with Pickles necessarily. But I'm going to give... This might be controversial. I'm going to give my least favorite episode to episode 11, The Showstopper, right? Mm. Which is Bojack when he sort of grip on reality and uh-huh. and fiction is struggling, and it not doesn't come. This isn't because I didn't necessarily like the episode. I think I know what it's doing, but it might be the first time in a while that I felt like the idea was better than the execution. Does that make mm. sense? I found it. Yeah, I, I I it didn't quite work. It was messy, and obviously it's going to be messy. But I just didn't think it was was fully engaged. Like, I really like the musical number and the ending. Like, that that sequence from then on, it gets mm. really good. But the build-up to it, it's sort of... I don't know. It was so obvious. I don't know if I needed it to go on for an entire episode like okay. that. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. I, but, but like, all that being said, this show needs to take risks like that. And mm-hmm. it's why it succeeds so well is because it tries to do this stuff all the time. Yeah. It might be just one of the only times ever gone... Nah, didn't quite work okay, for me. It didn't come off. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy that episode, but yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. And so, I mm. don't know, just 
the way I felt about it. But mm-hmm. again, don't think it's a bad episode. Um, and I would never say don't do that. Don't try that. Please mm. keep doing that. Yeah. It was just the one time I was like, eh, didn't quite work for me as well Fair as enough. the other ones. Yeah. Uh, your favorite episode. The Free Churro. Is yeah, episode yeah. six Free Churro. Yeah. I, yeah, like for all the reasons that we've previously stated, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it was heartbreaking and it was genuinely funny. Um, yeah, I it was mes I was mesmerized by it. The only thing I didn't like mm. this might be controversial. It's the very, 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 the very, very ending. End. Yeah, it didn't need that punch, did it? No, I don't think it did. I understand that this the, like the whole point is this like it's mm. a and I get that like it doesn't actually matter who he's talking to because he's not actually talking to anyone. So I understand that, but I don't know. I just kind of like I was so in it and emotionally invested that I didn't need a huh. He was talking to strangers. Like, yeah. I, did, I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't need it. I kind of was hoping he was talking, literally talking to nobody. Yeah. As in, there was nobody there. There yeah. certainly wasn't anybody on a fucking drum kit mm. to the side, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or an organ or whatever it was. It's like, it could have just been him after everyone's left or before anyone's arrived yeah. or whatever it is, sort of like practicing for it or just, just in the moment and making this happen. Mm. So to have it be, oh, it's a different family. I agree with you. Was just like didn't need that mm-hmm. little beat. Just yeah. cut that little bit off, and you're perfect. Yeah. Um. But my favorite episode is also free churro. Sorry, do you have something else to say? No, no, no. That's it. Uh, is also free churro for all the reasons mentioned. Um. Yeah, the ending didn't super sell it for me. I think this. Yeah, this episode because as a ninety nine point nine percent complete whole just works so well. Mm. And it's daring. And it's risky and it shouldn't work, but it does work. And Will Arnett gives a great performance mm-hmm. and it's written so well. I really hope he wins the Emmy. I hope he does too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are other episodes that definitely could be up for this. But I also felt like some of the best moments happened in other episodes, but were surrounded by things that didn't fully engage me. Mm. For instance, like the great argument between Bojack and Diane mm. is the same episode where Princess Carolyn's spending a lot of her time trying to sort out like the logistics of a... A, a quote from a popsicle stick, and like, I do don't remember? Even remember? I must have blacked yeah, that out. <laughs> it was, it was. She was trying to like broker a deal between these two guys who hadn't spoken to each other because the one oh, was the setup and one was right. the punchline yeah. guy, and it was like that's why I blocked it out because it wasn't yeah, interesting. It just wasn't, didn't do much mm. for me. Same thing like with the conflict resolution lady who was fixing that argument between Princess Carolyn. And Todd about the cheese stick or something. I was like, I don't, what? I don't give a fuck about this. That, and they make a comment about it being a B story. But I was like, but that's like a bad B story. It reminds me of when they were, those two were underground while they were doing yeah. the stuff in the house. When the, the house underground, they mm. were off with the, um, like the ants or whatever it was, the Aunt yeah. Connie. The, yeah, they've got a habit of doing that. Actually, that episode as well almost could have been one of my least favorites because- the I always talk about like I like how they do different formats. Mm. I felt this one was a little bit forced. This whole like yeah oh let's make Todd just a hand and Princess Carolina gas and like but it was like that's didn't feel as clever. I guess I just didn't. Yeah, I mean, I get I do like that they have fun. I really appreciate yes. that when I'm like oh what is this is something new. Yeah. Um, but I, it did seem to me like it was a gimmick on top of 
a more basic story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was I could apply feel to that. try and yeah. make it something more. This than is it was. a this is a cool, interesting element to an otherwise kind of yes. okay story. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Um, predictions, hopes, concerns. Ooh, I'm concerned the world will, will end, end before. before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, um, I don't know because he's off to he's off to rehab. Mm-hmm. He's off to look after himself. I like your idea of wanting a more p- Mr. Peanut Butter. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I would. Yeah, maybe Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter can hang out a bit. Todd and Carolyn can um have a have little a little family. Oh, yeah, a little family, a little asexual family. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard. For me to predict, I think I said that last season as well. I'm like, I don't know, man. They kind of like just demolished me at the end of every season. I don't know where to where to go from here. Yeah, what about you? Don't know, don't care. Just give me season six. <laughs> all right, there you go. That is all I care about at this point. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S. Uh, I've been. And if you follow me, you would have noticed I've been probably liking and commenting a lot about uh, football recently. <laughs> My football team, unfortunately, bombed out before the grand final. No. Which, uh, it, it, was, it was a hard week. It was a hard yeah, week. Yeah, you really suffered. But I did upload my one second a day video for September today. So, that's up there Ooh, as well. If you check out. It's Dam- full of porn. Mm-hmm. Damask. If you're, if you're into cats, it is. Uh, Damask. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I don't, I don't know what I've been doing. I've just been blacking out every day from packing and unpacking. Just, oh God! And you didn't think to, you didn't think to put that on Twitter, let the world know about your. I'm unpacking. No, I didn't. Weirdly enough. Hashtag Annie's move. Is that the episode of Community? I should know. Anyway, next episode. <laughs> Fucking hell. We're, we're spiraling out of control. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss season one and probably the only season, if we're being honest, of Maniac. Very looking forward mm-hmm. to talking about that. Very looking forward to it. Very looking forward. <laughs> very muchly looking forward. I need to do a little bit of research, I think, before we discuss that one, actually. Yeah, me too. Get, wrap my head around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 